Welcome to the Global Supply Chain Week and our panel on the pandemic and how it's changed the air cargo sector. My name is Eric Kulish, air cargo editor for FreightWaves and American Shipper. The pandemic devastated passenger travel and airlines have downsized in response to survive. About 25% of the fleet is still grounded and there are fewer flights. That means less cargo is being carried. Capacity is at least 20% below pre-pandemic levels. That has pushed a lot of freight to the all-cargo carriers, which are enjoying record levels of business. So it's a feast or famine story for the airlines that move freight. And the pandemic has exposed weaknesses in the supply chain, infrastructure bottlenecks at airports, a lack of transparency and speed, booking reservations, and sharing master airway bills, and of course, the extensive use of paper documents that are handed off at each connection. Now nobody wants to touch paper with COVID. Joining us to discuss some of the lessons learned and the way forward is Stan Rate, the CEO and president of Strategic Aviation Solutions, which provides management and consulting services to airports, airlines, freight forwarders, uh, international financial institutions, and other trade organizations. Stan has held leadership positions at three major cargo airlines and is frequently mentioned as one of the most influential people in the air cargo industry. Welcome to the program, Stan. Thanks very much, Eric. I'm pleased to be here and I hope I can help pass on a bit of information of what we've learned over the past year. It's been a tumultuous one to say the least. A lot of innovation and a lot of people having to do what they never thought they would ever have to do. Um, exactly. So. Let's start on the uh, economic end. Maybe you can, uh, can you give us a snapshot of the market today? Um, this is typically coming out of the, into the new year, supposed to be a slower period, but shipments are pouring in, rates are high. Um, there's usually a lull during the Chinese new year uh, in manufacturing, but uh, not so much this year because uh, factories stayed open so people wouldn't travel as much. Um, and then we typically see a mini spike and and then a valley again going into the first quarter further on. So, um, but we seem to be more in a constant peak right now. So can you tell us where things stand from the perspective of the carriers and the shippers and, and how the rest of the year looks? Sure. Um, well, first of all, we got a very diverse uh, group of people involved now. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, you have to look at there's another factor besides COVID, caused by COVID, and that's on the sea freight side. I mean, I read already yesterday about Long Beach. There's air, there's uh, airplanes, there's ships sitting out there for 10 days, 12 days, and then six and seven days in port to be uh, offloaded and unloaded. So that's not, that's not helping the circumstances either. But uh, definitely the lack of uh, wide-body passenger aircraft, uh, and, and quite frankly, that's going to continue for quite a while to come, the larger ones, triple sevens and all that. We've heard a lot over the past years about people retiring 747s. I think they're almost a, a extinct now, except for the freighter version. Uh, the other thing is the, the cargo uh, carrying passenger airplanes, which are now called freighters. I don't like that term, which is basically passenger freighter, where they're removing the seats. Air Canada was one of the first ones to do it. I think within five, six days of, of this all starting with the uh, transportation of PPEs in, in particular, uh, they were able to modify some 777s and, and they got in the game fast and now everybody's following suit. So that's that's one thing. Uh, on the airport side, you're looking at 
airline uh, airports such as Heathrow, for example, who are now having more cargo flights than than they and before there was almost a ban on them because you couldn't get a slot. Now you're seeing almost more cargo flights than you are passenger flights, etc. So there's there's a whole mindset change. Uh, what I'm worried about, to be honest with you, is that this is not another uh, lessons learned and then quickly forgotten when the passenger market rebounds, because what it is exposed completely is is the fragility of the supply chain for everybody. I'm talking about automotive manufacturing to aerospace, but also the obvious things like PPE and, and, and health issues. I mean, when you have to support your your manufacturing process globally, sourcing globally, you, you've got to have a rethink right now, just in time. Is it going to become just in time or keeping uh, an inventory just in case because you don't want to get caught like this again? So there's a lot of rethinking going on. Economic. Well, um, Sorry, yes, no, good points. And, um, you know, as far as the passenger freighters, uh, you know, temporarily using some of those planes that are idle. Um, the, you know, I think there's only a very few, you know, limited amount that have actually stripped the seats out. Um, but a lot of them are still are flying. A lot of airlines are flying those planes. So, you know, just using the the bellies of the of the planes to move cargo, um, and then a you know handful have, have stripped the seats out to get some extra capacity um, uh, while air travels down. Um, but can you give us a sense of the, do you have a sense of the, you know, how tight things are or what the rates are on, on some of the major trade lanes and, you know, when there might be some relief for shippers or is this going to be like this all year? I'm afraid it's going to go on beyond the year, I think. Uh, quite frankly, if you look at, okay, let's look at the, the real driver of the aviation business for the ones that don't consider cargo as a, as a core, core business. Um you're going to look at a rebound in the passenger uh, market. Quite frankly, we're not seeing much before 24, 25. And it's, it's, it's obvious. If you look at India, uh, there's, they're hoping to vaccinate 250 million people a year. Well, there's 1.2 billion people. So what's going to happen there? What's going to happen in South America? I, I don't see the borders opening up for international leisure travel other than what we call VFR, visiting friends and relatives. Um, and business, uh, even Microsoft, if you listen to Bill Gates and, and others, we're, we're going to see business travel plummet as well. Look, in my personal case, I'm a 150 to 200,000 mile a year guy. I haven't flown since last January. And that's the first time in 50 years I can say that because I've been in this that long. Uh, I, 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 I'm actually sleeping eight hours a night. I've never done that before. So, so what we're looking at is, is we have to take a dose of reality. Um, bigger airplanes are going to struggle to get back into if they're totally dependent on passage are gonna, or some cargo contribution. They're going to struggle to get those 777s back up in the air. Um, the 787, A350, and the narrow bodies, especially the, the new ones that are coming in, the 321 long, long range, the uh, MAX returning to service, you're going to see a lot of that. If you have 100 passengers, why would you fly a, a, an A330? Let's say that's the next step up. Unless there's a significant contribution of cargo in the belly. And, and the way most airlines are looking at it today, and you mentioned lots of people haven't taken the seats out, but lots of, lots of people have. And you, you see it more and more now. Um, if you, 
there are flights flying the North Atlantic today for the automotive manufacturers in the U.S. that are, are Mercedes and other people are paying for the whole flight both ways just to get those lower 10 pallets. So that's how critical the supply chain is, is being affected. And when C-Freight doesn't work, if you add that to the equation, we're really in trouble. Um, and, and people are closing down uh, because of it. Now, if you go back to the airlines and the passenger market, uh, if you have 100, 125, 140 passengers instead of today, 15, 18, if it flies at all, um, you, don't need a, you don't need a 777 with 400 seats. Uh, it's as simple as that. So what's going to happen to those aircraft if we don't up our game in cargo and, and meet this uh, new reality? And that's the mindset change that airlines have to, have to take. They have to get into the business of being able to make enough money in the lower deck of their airplanes and sustain that for years to come. And that means they have to up their game in what they're offering to the market. They have to change their attitude. You cannot survive in the future if you're going to start giving cheap prices to, to third parties and, and expect the airplanes to fly again. They've got to make a fantastic return on investment. Hence, and I'm not talking about exploitation because a lot of that is going on, and I'll discuss that in a moment. I'm talking about a fair return on investment, and also it can be that the airports and the ground handlers can also step up their game with offering more capabilities. Uh, on the gouging part of it, I mean, if somebody is operating just for the bellies, it's it, you've got to cover all the direct operating costs of the flight, sometimes both ways. And on top of that, that means, you know, they're not flying for the fun of it. You're going to be paying five, six, seven dollars a kilo, even on the North Atlantic. That's, that's what it's going to cost. Uh, but if And the other complication of these passenger freighters is there's not much that you can load up on the main deck except you can't load mail. You can't load anything with dangerous goods because there's no fire suppression systems. It's all manual on the main deck. It's, it's, that's what the cabin attendants are trained to, to address. The lower deck has all the fire suppression. Uh, so it's very limited what you can put up there. Uh, it's ideally suited to things like PPE, but it's not suited to general cargo for, uh, for car companies or aerospace companies and everything else because of weight, uh, density, size, whatever, restricted articles. So I, I think we're in for uh, a tough time for for everyone, and and it's time that we had a rethink on how uh, we approach uh, what we do. Well, what what needs to be done? You you I mean uh, I think you know um, they're already putting some of these passenger planes into cargo mode. Um, what's what's the next step? I know, you know, it seems like uh, there's a, a few innovators out there, like Air Canada's going the next mile and. Um, some of the some of the retired planes, they're now going to convert to freighters and, and kind of start an all cargo division, kind of like Lufthansa and uh, Korean Air and so forth. And uh, United Airlines has been massively using its passenger fleet. So that's a couple. Um, but I guess you're saying more people need to do do that. The best example of, 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 a, of a company that's really done well is Emirates. I mean, they've operated, I think, close to 9000 flights already uh, just for cargo. And, and the passenger flights that they operate, um, the cargo contribution is driving it. And I know this, I've heard it from the horse's mouth, that the cargo division is very much the one who decides where they're going to fly for the passage. 
uh, one thing I've got to give give a lot of credit uh, to Tim Clark, the CEO of Emirates. He, he's always understood cargo as a key business, and he also understands and is giving credit to the cargo division to help save the airline. Uh, Air Canada, uh, when Tim Strauss was their VP there, he immediately jumped on this because he has a lot of experience. He's an extremely brilliant guy. He talked to the engineering team. They talked to Transport Canada, and they had those airplanes reconfigured in, in record time. Um, it didn't happen in the U.S. because they couldn't get, not that they didn't want to do it, but the authorities uh, were not keen on it. Uh, so, well, you know, it takes time to do these things. Uh, United, uh, with Jan Krems over there, he knows cargo, uh, you know, upside down, and he, he went after it, and he did a great job, and he has a great organization over in Europe supporting him to make sure in both directions it was full. But, you know, we also saw Air Mauritius go bankrupt. We saw uh, a whole bunch of airlines go bankrupt as well because they, they just didn't understand their contribution in, in, into the supply chain. And the fact that if you talk to the people who are in the supply chain, especially the industrial environment around the airport that depends on you, they could have probably worked out something, but they didn't understand cargo and, and the consequences they went under. A lot of airlines are serving destinations which don't make any sense for cargo. If you're flying from France to the French Caribbean, there's not much you can do when all the hotels are down. So the airlines going bankrupt, is, it's just not much you can do about that. But certainly on the major train lanes, you have to do something. What's particularly disappointing to me, though, in this time of crisis when we should be looking at cargo and putting all of our thoughts behind it. We're doing the opposite in, in, in some major airports and we're doing like IATA, letting Glenn Hughes retire. Um, and it's that astounding, they should have been in his office on their knees begging him to stay. Uh, luckily for Tiaka, he moved over there. But um, uh, another example would be the grounding of the 747s um, uh, especially the combis by airlines at a time when they can serve a very good purpose. And again, it's, it can't be for cost-cutting reasons because people are willing to pay for that capacity. It's just you've got to explain your business case and keep them flying, and, and it's not being done. So I think in the C-suite, we these CFOs and CEOs have to start understanding that cargo is a core business now, and it's certainly going to re retain that uh, that need uh, going forward because the, the recovery of the passenger market is going to take time, a lot more time than people are saying today. Right. So I think what you're saying, you know, there was some thought that the air cargo um, boom for or for the all cargo carriers would uh, and for and for using these passenger freighters would, you know, be through part of this year, but then peter out. But you're saying. Um, the the cargo carriers and the praters will be busy for the next two or three years at least. Well, I don't know about the praters. I can say on certain routes they definitely will. Um, if if I was anybody who owned um, a triple seven passenger airplane, I would be talking to GCAS and IEI about converting them to freighters as quickly as I could. Uh, that, to be honest with you, because uh, Those are the leasing companies. Yeah, so much a leasing company. A lot of airlines own them as well, right? So, I mean, right. either one or the two. Uh, there's a good program out there with GCAS right now, but that, that's not going to solve Air Canada's problem or United's problem if they own the airplanes because they're not going to convert your airplane. They're going to convert, convert their own. So that's another thing. Um, but but on, on the, uh, uh, the business case for passage, which, which drives the 
companies that don't consider cargo as a core business. I think their press statements that, you know, things will be all much better than next year and we'll all be happy and we'll all be running around and, and you know, going on vacation in Bali and everything else next year. I think they're, they're, they're just delusional. Right. So, um, so you mentioned the conversion. So is freighter conversions of, you know, taking these passenger planes and, you know, older ones and cutting a door in them for, and so you can use and reinforcing the floor so you can use the main deck. Is that, uh, it seems like that activity is very strong in the past year. Is, is that accelerated? And, and, and if so, why, and, and what are some of the uh, prized, uh, you know, aircraft models? Okay, well, first of all, it's it died in the wide body. Other than the uh, 767, I would say medium wide body. Um, the 330 has struggled because it's it's not the ideal aircraft for cargo, but it, it still has some takers, particularly in the integrator and the express mode. Uh, but the 747 conversions died. Um, and, and a lot of the, you have to understand also in the airline's point of view, the potential uh, candidates for these airplanes in the 747's case, what killed it mostly is the fact that, you know, you run an airline just for an airplane type. Once you start deciding on a 747, in the case of some European airlines that are down to maybe one or two freighters, you have to sustain a whole infrastructure to support that. Pilots, crews are almost doubled versus when you have scale. So the, that that also helped to, to kill the, the 747. So people stopped converting those. The, the hot items have been the 737s, the A321. It's, it's going to be a great freighter when they do it. Uh, they're starting to do it now. Uh, some of the narrow bodies. And the 767 has been the hottest conversion ta target um, you know, for the last years. And Amazon drove a lot of that. And the e-commerce market in China. SF Express, uh, 10 years ago, operated four old beat up A300 B4s. Now they've got 62 airplanes and they just bought Kerry Logistics, which shows you what you can do if you take cargo seriously. Uh, and some of the passenger airline CEOs should take note of that. I mean, uh, if you can pay one point or $2.2 billion for Kerry Logistics out of the profits from running an airline, that, that should send a message to, these, to the, the CEO and the CFO. But uh, the conversion market of the future is the 777-300ER. Uh, it's a beautiful airplane. I love it. A lot of people are saying, you know, but, but there's no buts. That's perfect airplane for e-commerce. And e-commerce is the future of air freight. I think in Wall Street Journal about six months ago on the front page, it, it was, it was, I liked it a lot. It was an, an article that said, for the first time ever, Intel chips have to compete with dog food to get on an airplane. And, and that's, that's a true story because when you buy something today on e-commerce, you're buying time. You're buying two-day delivery, next-day delivery, or if it's 15 to 20 days or whatever with almost no prompt, it'll be delivered in this window. It's usually postal, but that still ends up going by air. If it's coming from China, you're buying an iPhone cover. They're not going to send it to you by FedEx, UPS, DHL, or, or Amazon Prime or something like that. So the world is changing. The, the average volume right now of e-commerce, if you take out an average by our studies over in Europe, are, is, is one to six, meaning it's roughly um, the same scale they use in the, in the air freight industry for volume calculations. It's not that fluffy, but it's fluffy enough that a, a 777-300ER conversion will fit, fit very nicely. And I think that that's a, I, I love that airplane. I think it's going to be a great success. Uh, and that's the future. Oh, I, I should add something. 
I don't know if it's public knowledge, maybe I'm giving you a scoop here, but um, uh, Airbus has launched a project to make the A380 into a combi. Now, I don't know if you know what a combi means, but it's basically a passenger freighter uh, mix. And the project, the idea they've come up with is making the lower deck, the main passenger cabin into cargo and keeping the upper deck for passage, putting a cargo door aft of the wings to accommodate it. Um, great idea, actually, because the airplane is going to end up in the desert otherwise or parted out or scrap because uh, it's just too big for the years to come. Um, but uh, they better get at least 50 or 60 orders to make that one work. But it's out there, people, and, and people are thinking that way. So that would be to convert the, uh, that would be to, they would modify some of the existing planes. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. They would modify, like you converted a 777 into a freighter, you basically right. rip it apart and put it back together again. Well, they would do the same thing with the A380, but that would be a massive engineering undertaking and, and a massive cost. So I know it's just a project now, but it just shows you that people are thinking that passage, if Airbus is thinking passage is not going to come back enough to support what they what was their crown jewel, take it in. Um, so, yes, uh, we got to wrap up here soon, but uh, obviously e-commerce is, uh, is booming and driving a lot of this market. Um, what are any other hot commodities that are, you know, uh, putting so much, uh, you know, freight on the planes? No, uh, again, I go back to, you've got to look at logistics again. They've got to get back to, people in the air freight industry have to get back to not let, not just leaving it up to the freight forwarders to talk to the customers. They've got to talk to the people who actually, we call beneficial uh, cargo owners, BCOs. You've got to talk to these people. What do they need in the future for their supply chains? Are they going to go to near shoring? For example, they're manufacturing Japanese cars uh, and Korean cars and German cars in the United States now. Well, what what are you going to do now? What are you going to do in the next coming years? Are you going to build uh, supply chains over here instead of having them in Asia and Germany? I want to know that because I have to plan for it. If you don't talk to these people, how can you build an airline that's going to serve that marketplace? So I think they got to get back to talking to the actual logistics uh, uh, decision makers, which is the beneficial owner of the cargo. The, and 99% of the time, that's the importer, by the way. So that, that's one issue. And, and the supply chain logistics, it, it's, got to be, uh, it's got to be upgraded. It's got to, the skill sets of the airlines has to be improved or else uh, Amazon and Alibaba and a few others are going to take over the market. If you think uh, the pricing was horrible when the days when the, when the freight forwarders comfort, uh, uh, controlled everything, just wait till you're only dealing with Amazon and Alibaba and see what kind of return on investment you're going to get. <laughs> so, well, listen, uh, fascinating uh, insights, Stan. Uh, I'd love to keep uh, talking. We didn't even talk about the vaccine rollouts and the and uh, digital uh, initiatives to use more technology. So we'll have to do that another time. But uh, really appreciate you joining us here at FreightWaves. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks to our audience for joining. Okay, Eric. Pleasure. Anytime. All right.